Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday, looking back at Saturday. That's why it's the weekend edition, you see. Uh, for the third news talks they've been in a row, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the Cricket World Cup. But don't worry, we have found a few other things to talk about, like um, uh, pensioners who want to be mayor for the second time round. Uh, Derek Brown has made an album even though he's dead. And Ron McCallum is a blind lawyer uh, from Australia. And Jack talked to him. But yes, let's talk a little bit of cricket. This is all before the fact, of course. I think our semi-final victory over India this week is maybe the single greatest Black Caps ODI result I can remember. Greater than Grant Elliott's Mighty Six four years ago, greater than our knockout trophy victory or any unlikely Chapel Hadley win. And yet, and yet, the Black Caps were chill. They were chill. They know the job isn't done yet. I'm pleased we're not playing Australia tomorrow. Not because I think... England will necessarily be much easier than the Aussies. (laughs) But because as a Black Caps fan, I know I always need to consider things, even if only just for a moment, in the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario if things don't go our way tomorrow is still so much better than the thought of David Warner cartwheeling around Lords having scored 140 to win the World Cup. That's not to say I think... We should expect the worst-case scenario. I don't think we'll lose. I think we're an excellent chance. I think Martin Guptill should play. I think the fields should be super aggressive. The bowling should be full enough to give it a chance to swing. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe the Black Caps will have reason to really celebrate this time. Uh, So by the time you're listening to this, you may know know, uh, I'm recording it um, when England needs 7.25 and over with about 13 overs to go. So, and they've got six wickets in hand. Still anybody's game, really. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, maybe I'll know more by the end of this podcast. Exciting, isn't it? Not really, because you, you probably already know. Um, Grant Fox. Why were they talking to him about cricket? Foxy, I'm sure you'll be watching this game tonight. Are you the sort who will stay up through the night? What's your strategy? <laughs> I'll watch the start and we'll keep going for a while. I, don't, I think when I get to about midnight, I'll probably um, cruise off to bed and then I'll wake up and see what the result is. Um, I'm getting a bit old, Jimmy, to go through the night now, but um, <laughs> I love my cricket. And, um, you know, I'm just so pleased for the guys because, you know, they, they were copping. You know, a bit of stick, I guess, for, um, um, you know, the, the back part of the, the, the pool play, but I think what people were forgetting is that in... in, in um, World events, no matter what sport, the knockout stages are just that, and all the form goes out the window, and they're one-off games. You know, God knows the All Blacks know enough about that in World Cup rugby history, don't they? What happen, What can happen in one-off games if you don't get it right? And you know, our boys got it right, and India, India struggled. As Coley said, what was it about a 45-minute period or something, or 25-minute period? They just didn't play very good cricket, and that that was the difference. Absolutely. We'll do this interview then in sort of the reverse order because let's continue on the cricket theme uh, and the World Cup theme. Grant, I'll ask you this. How much pressure do you think will be on England because they're at home and because they're favourites? And, and, and what does that do to an athlete? Um, 
Look, that's expectation, isn't it? And I think, you know, of course, now England have made the final, they've got a chance. And that's the thing people have got, got to get their head around. I mean, first, to first win a final, you've got to get there because you can't win it if you, if, you get, if you get knocked out earlier. So they're there, so they, of course, they've got a chance. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting how many times I've heard people, either members of the Black Caps or the coaching staff, um, basically say anything can happen. That seems to be their whole strategy, is that anything can happen. Um, England just scoring a few too many boundaries for my liking at the moment. They're managing to keep up with that required rate of just over seven and over. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, my money's on England at this point. We just haven't taken enough wickets. All right. Uh, now, uh, Simon Wilson wanted to talk about this guy who's thinking of running for mayor again at some stage, old guy. So is this about John Banks being super awesome or about John <laughs> Tamahiri not living up to the expectations of the centre-right? I think it's a bit of both, don't you? Uh, um, on the one hand, um, John Banks has always been the kind of guy who's backed himself and has said, I can come back, I can come back. He he was mayor twice before, so he's not only won the mayoralty in Auckland twice, but he also lost it twice, kept coming back. Uh, he was in Parliament, then he was out of Parliament, he went back into Parliament. Um, you know, so he's had a career where he's always said, um, I will be the guy for the moment. En- enormously strong um, self-belief, if you like. And you're quite right. On the other side, uh, there are a number of people in the National Party who have uh, backed John Tamahiri, some of them are in his campaign team. Uh, and I think they're probably feeling rather disappointed that he's been as a little bit too much of a loose cannon for their liking. Uh, yeah, to, to me, this is just going to split the already meagre centre-right vote uh, in, in the Auckland mayoralty. But just moving moving backwards a bit, what will John Banks have to live down? Because there's a lot to live down when you're John Banks. Um, <laughs> that's absolutely true. One of the things is that it's quite hard to know who he is. Uh, John Banks made a career for a very long time being uh, the, one of the leading politicians in this country railing against uh, marriage equality, gay rights in, in that whole area. But in fact, he voted for the Marriage Equality Act in the end. He moved there. So who is he really on social issues? Uh, let's just not have mayors anymore. That'd be my suggestion. Um, so anyway, John Banks, not dead yet. Uh, somebody who is, unfortunately, is uh, Derek Brown from D-Dub. Uh, his, um, his widow uh, talked about the album he actually recorded in the last month of his life. Where was Derek born? Let's talk about the legend of Derek. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, he was born in Otorohonga, brought up, raised in Otorohonga, uh, then went to university in Palmerston North, um, then started a band in Whanganui, actually, then Wellington, and then eventually ended up in Auckland mm. and um, developed D-Dub, the band. So uh, music was always his calling? Uh, yes, uh, but he didn't really get stuck into it to his very early 20s um, and then developed, yeah, just developed D-Dub, I think, when he was oh, about 25, 26. Okay. Mm. So what is D-Dub? How D- would you describe it? D-Dub. D-Dub is... Um, this quite a large band, like seven-piece band, full horn section, uh, rocking, high energy, jump around on stage, great dance band, mm. um, and played, you know, I used to manage them, so we were playing solid tours around New Zealand and Australia. Um, one year we did 56 gigs. Um, yeah, it was, it was full on. They were a very hard-working touring band. Exactly. So not a band that, uh, that got lots of radio play or that necessarily everybody 
knew that anyone who came along to the Brownsy or wherever and saw them play when I got to see these guys every time they come around. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. very, very hardcore, um, dedicated fans. Yeah. And, yeah, and they, they would, they'd come to every gig and they'd start following us around the country. Which wow, really cool. that's so cool. Um, and another uh, cool guy is uh, Ron McKellen, born blind but ended up being a law professor. Um, it's hard to study all those law books. You can't see them, I would have thought. But anyway, Jack Tame uh, had a chat with him on Saturday. Congratulations on writing and publishing Born at the Right Time. For, for, for our listeners who perhaps aren't terribly familiar with your backstory, could, could you take us back? How, how did you lose your sight? I was born between 8 and 10 weeks premature in 1948, and they put me in a sealed humidity crib to give me pure oxygen. Pure oxygen is a very strong gas and it destroyed my eyes by breaking down blood vessels. So although I might have seen for a couple of days, and by the time I left the humidity crib, I was blind. That happened in Australia and New Zealand and the United States mm. until they solved problem in the mid-1950s. Excuse my ignorance on the subject, but is there any possibility that your that your brain or the neural pathways in your brain would remember seeing, would remember what being able to see was like in any way, shape or form, or because you were so young, that's not really a possibility? I think because I was only three pound, I think probably not. I certainly have no no memory of it. How do you, um, how, do you remember realising that you were blind whereas your siblings were able to see? One of my clearest memories, Jack, is in about 1953 when my mum was reading a book about the coronation of Elizabeth II and she was showing my older brothers the pictures and I put my hands up to feel the pictures and she said, remember, darling, you can't see, you can't feel a picture and you can't read the print. Now, I must have known earlier that there was something wrong because unlike my brothers, I've been falling over since I was about 12 months old. Mm. Me too, me too, but... It turns out I'm just a clumsy idiot. Uh, I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB in the weekend edition. Um, yeah, I think England are going to coast this, to be honest. S- sorry about that. Um, you already know. I mean, this game's well over by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, I don't know why I've been telling you the result of things that you already know. Um, and we'll know it even more in 24 hours' time. I'll see you back here then.